The Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of The Process, serving the Delaware beaches at processrealtor.com. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. On today's show, um, arguing about Sam Hinkie for one final time on 94WIP that I wanted to tell Mike about. Um, the NBA looks like it's going to get started possibly in mid-July in Disney World. Everybody in Disney World. Um, and our good friend and a, like, you know, almost a member of the Ricky who has never been on the podcast, Eliza Hardy-Jones, who voiced the Imagine the Process song that has been sung by two different people at Live Ricky, at the uh, Lottery Party, um, and the voice of the uh, Relationship Advice theme, and has covered the Tony T, uh, You Don't Fuck With Me, I Don't Fuck With You song. She will be on the pod for the first time ever. Very, very excited about that. Um, Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who puts both mayo and mustard on his bologna sandwiches when he is quarantining in Wildwood. That is Mike Levin. I don't mind mayo and mustard, but I do want to. I do want you to provide a little more context for what that is. Yeah, well, that that was the. So it was a very. Uh, because I wanted to talk about um, the, the hinky thing that happened today on WIP, but it was a very, like, Ricky sort of WIP thing, even more than the program director of the radio station hosting this podcast, in that, um, so the Hoagie Hour, which is the, I would say imaginary podcast, but it's not imaginary, it does exist, but it's never been released, I, there's three episodes, that is Tony Tony to Tony and Tommy from Down the Shore. Uh, who are good friends of Amos Lee and uh, Mutlu, who were on the pod about a month ago. And there's three episodes of The Hoagie Hour, but it is basically based on two, like, local WIP callers who had a show. And as we explored on when Moot and Amos were on, Mutlu is obsessed with WIP. He listens, like, pretty much constantly. So Jack Fritz, who's the producer of The Afternoon Show, and I have been long obsessed with like these uh, these two characters. And Jack and I have, had been talking for a while. We got to get Tony T or Tommy from down the shore to call up John and Ike and not tell them that it's them. So this week at WIP, we're doing a thing called Once and for All, where we came up with five like classic WIP argue topics Set one for each day. I, with saw the, the, I saw the McNabb one. That seemed that seemed like a, yeah, like like a frustrating time. 
Well, it's actually, it's been like really fun. You know, we all have to do shit or whatever, you know what I mean? Like every place. And I sort of felt like the, the idea that we would settle it for good and then never argue about it again was very funny. Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone's had a good time with it. Actually, the McNabb thing was, uh, was actually a, a lot of fun. So Monday it was McNabb overrated or underrated, which is a, almost like a, a trick <laughs> in, in the in the voting. Uh, Tuesday was the uh, 08 Phillies, who was the most important player. And today was, was Sam Hinkie a good general manager? But anyway, on Monday, Jack texts me and he goes, um, do you think Tommy from down the shore might want to call in today? And I shot a text to Amos and Moot and I was like, do you think Tommy from down the shore might want to call in? Apparently, Tommy is a huge McNabb fan. So I'm listening, and I'm going to play it. This is, uh, believe me when I tell you, it's on our Instagram and our Twitter. It gets better every time you hear it. So um, here you go. Here is what happened on WIP on Monday. Sure. Tommy, what's going on, brother? Yo, how you guys doing, man? Ike, John, how you guys what, doing? What's up, bro? What's up, Tommy? Yeah, man, I just want to say I love the show, man. First time caller, but long time listener. Man, I don't understand all this negativity about McNabb. Man, come on, man. He brought us a lot of hope. A lot of hope. <laughs> and a lot of memories for a long time. What, what negativity? <laughs> all, all, all you losers out there today being phonies about how great Donovan was. There hasn't been a hint of negativity today. No, listen, man, listen. Was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. Okay, did he win a Super Bowl? No, he didn't. Did he throw up in the huddle? Yes, he did, but anyone know? None of these guys out there never threw up anywhere. I know I did. Come on. Right? Well, I did not during the game, though, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I have, Every, yeah. Look, everybody's got to throw up once in a while. So what, man? So what? But listen, I just want to say, man, Donovan, if you're listening, I'm saying this to you, John, and you too, like, Tommy from down to shore will always love you, okay? Always. Love it, Tommy. Thank Number you, five will always love you. All right, Tommy. That's right. That's right. Where That's are you right. down the shore, by the way? What, what's yeah, your spot? I'm in Wildwood, man. Quarantine. Eating bologna sandwiches. All right. You put mayo or mustard on the bologna? Uh, both. Both. And pickles. And pickles. Oh, yeah, it's really good, man. Try it. It's like a lo-fi hoagie. That's sweet, what I call it. Sweet, sweet pickles or dill pickles? Both. <laughs> Every time a pickle. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? All right. All right, Tommy, call again, man. Yeah, please do. Both. <laughs> Let's go to John. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there we are. That's what happened. Amazing. It's also amazing that, and maybe you might disagree with this, so tell me okay. what you do. It does seem like every WIP host since 1994 has sounded exactly the same. Is there a, uh, is there a voice that they have to adopt? No, I... I, I actually think if you went back and like sort of um, looked at them, you, you wouldn't think because previous to to John, I don't think anybody in the afternoon sounded like him. Like uh, Carlin doesn't sound like him, really. Um, Just like someone uh, being like, let's go to John. Like it's every time oh, it feels like yeah. it's everyone is, has the same. Like, is there a sports radio voice that like they have to like abide by? Not for so, WP specifically, but maybe any. I don't know. It, that, just found, it sounded very like, comforting and, and uh, also yeah. very similar to everything I've ever heard. I think the, um, well, first of all, when you hear it like just like that, I think it sounds that way. And also WIP is unlike 
any other sports radio station, actually. If you listen to sports radio in Chicago or Dallas or Atlanta or Miami, there's almost no phone calls. Uh, the cadence of it is very, very different. Mm. And so, so there's something very particular about WIP. And I think a lot of the people that we have, Joe DeCamera, like the midday guy or Marks, grew up listening to it. Right. So, so it's sort of ingrained in your head a little bit. <laughs> like what came first? Did I have this yeah. voice or am I just doing what right. I've done before? That's funny. And my favorite part about that call is they, John and Ike start giggling immediately when Tommy goes, he gave us a lot of hope. And they're like, oh, no, we know what we're in for. And I think they understood something was going on, but they didn't know quite what was going on. So um, so that was it was like, it was true inception with those guys actually being on WIP. The right. lo-fi hoagie. I feel like Valones has to make the lo-fi hoagie. Yeah, they should. So. Yeah. Um, so today was the uh, the Sam Hankey. By the way, who would you say was the most important player on the 08 Phillies? Um, I think it's pretty easy to say Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a sneaky answer. I don't think it can be a pitcher just because they, mm-hmm. you know, although, you know. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Sneaky answer could be Worth or Jimmy, but like like Chooch also is like kind of a really good answer to that. I I that's the I forget who I was listening to in talking about this, um, but like there's no generational player on those Phillies. There's no like surefire first ballot Hall of Fame type player. Yeah, and, and the most, closest the closest have, is Utley. Right. Yeah, the, and most teams yeah. have one, and so it was yeah. kind of like just like. Two-way guys who guys who can play both ways and like you know aside from Ryan like defend their position um, everywhere on the field and and just like stability and and like if that that team always I don't know if I like I'm retrofitting it based on like the fact that they did win but living through it and you're like it, it always kind of felt like something special was happening. Yeah, I mean, their, their offense was pretty sick, you yeah. know, like the, especially that year. Chase, so we, we, we do a Twitter poll every day, started at 10 a.m., ended at 10 p.m., uh, started at 6 a.m., ended at 10 p.m. Chase won by like 2% over Hamels, mm-hmm. um, I think with Jimmy third and Howard fourth. You can make an argument for any of them. Um, the stat argument is Utley, but um, and the other cool thing about it is that Utley was really hot in the first part of the year, and then Howard was really hot in August and September, and then Hamels was the playoff, so it makes it an even more sort of difficult question to answer, I think. Yeah. Um, well, Jason Worth doesn't, because he wasn't here as long and like didn't like come Oh, I love Jason Worth. Here. Yeah. Jason Worth was the fucking man, dude. He, he used to love free CDs. I worked at YSP, <laughs> and he just wanted fucking free rock CDs. I feel like you always know them. everybody who likes free shit. I feel like you have yeah. a good handle on yeah. who really likes to get free shit. Well, I'm working at a radio station, so they end up coming to you for free shit. Um, good dude, though, uh, worth. Um, so today was, I, and it was obvious that we had to have a process day. And today, I, I actually think the did the process work thing is a more infuriating conversation um, because it, it gets too jumbled. So we did, was Sam Hinkie a, a good general manager? And all it took was me being awake for, I woke up at five. It didn't really start until six. I was awake for an hour and I was already regretting that we did it. Yeah. Like, 
It's also the my fact fa- that like this, there's no way this is the last time. Well, right? that's the joke. As, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I get. I believe how you can be like. I I see how you can put McNabb and the 08 Phillies to bed. I see how you can do yeah. it. There's never there's no way that this there's too much volatility of, of for this argument. Well, I never thought we would put Andy Reid to bed, and we did. Uh, okay. So, like that, that the Super Bowl put the Andy Reid thing to bed. We basically agreed. The and and it took. What's funny is, like, I know, I, I listeners, everyone can have their own opinion. It's cool. Like, I know that some of the hosts are there to just agitate me, including one that's related to me. And it took like four minutes of my dad on Angelo's show for me to be agitated and start texting Rhea. Like, he's full of shit. He's wrong. I, like, I called up at 7.30 while I'm walking my dog to tell him he's full of shit. And by the end of the day, I was like, boy, am I glad that this is not a fucking conversation anymore. Um, and I could see how seething I was in this thing that I wrote for the WIP website, which was basically just like, had n- very little to do with what Sam did and why he was good. And just the cognitive dissonance that exists with the people who say he didn't do a good job right. and like how fucking infuriating that was. Um, but I don't, I'm, I'm glad we don't have to have this fight anymore. Oh my God. It's so annoying. It's the worst. It's also, it's, it's also like not arguable. Yes. That, that was my point is that it's not really, a, that part's not a debate. If, 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 if we're having a discussion on the level, it is defending an inarguable position and of course, did he do a perfect job? No, no one, no one's ever done a perfect job. And of right. course, like if he wanted to keep his job, were there somewhat simple things he could have done better to do to keep his job? Absolutely, and he should have done them. But like as far as doing a good job to set this franchise up for success in the future and be able to contend for many years, absolutely, it's unarguable. We have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. We didn't have those guys before. And if, if, you know, that, as far as like big ticket items go and as far as like finding diamonds in the rough, like there's m- multiple. It was a very successful rebuild where if he got to see it through, who knows, but like just careers were started from the process and the Sixers as like a, as a, at least someone, you have, a team you have to pay attention to now, like they've, you know, subsequent regimes have fucked it up in various ways, but like as, at least as, as far as like teams you have to account for those a decade prior as we've said a million times the bedrock of what this podcast and my time at liberty ballers was based on is that the sixers during the mid to late 2000s were the most boring team in sports and then pinky got there and now they at least matter at least matter in some way are they perfect no but like they are in the conversation and contending year after year as long as him and simmons are healthy yeah, my point, it was very similar to yours. It was that what, like the trick that the, uh, those who argue that he didn't do a good job do is point out the things that he didn't do well as if I'm saying that he did a perfect job. Sure. Um, and the comparison I made was like, Nick Foles threw an interception in the Super Bowl, but like, we don't talk about, that's, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other point was, but my, I think the, 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 big, the best example of him doing a good job is that after three years of just like overpaying for just about everything they had. Um, Hang on, keep talking, they, I gotta kill a spider while you do this. Keep going. Okay. We, <laughs> after, 
over after overpaying for basically everything they had for three years, at the end of it, they still went into this past summer with two of the best young stars in basketball and max level cap space. And that was after they fucked everything up. So um, he did a, yeah, congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations. That happened during a meeting Um, the other day too. I was like, after Zoom meeting and stuff, and I'm just like mashing a spider like on camera. It's a pretty violent situation. My wife tried to get me to come home from a Sixers game once because she saw a spider in the bathroom. Mm. And (laughs) my favorite part of the spider stuff is this is seriously the biggest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I come back and they're always the same like inch long spider. Like it's never, it's never a different size. I, I almost hope to come home at some point and I go, oh yeah, you know what? That is giant. It's like, the one you time know, I, there was like a, it wasn't even a spider. It was like some sort of like, uh, you know, ancient demon that was like crawling on the ground that had like more legs than I've ever seen. It was crazy. I like woke my roommate up. It was, it was a few years ago. Me and Alyssa got back late, and I was living in with other people at the time. That's tough. That's when you got to be like, I need to like, I need to like take a shower somewhere else. I'm never coming back to this place. And I I left soon <laughs> soon after. Maybe that was the reason. But yeah, when it's the when it's the regular size, you can deal with it. But sometimes you see something prehistoric, and you gotta gotta call it a day. We will, uh, Eliza Hardy-Jones will be on soon. We will, we'll start uh, our interview with her as talking about the Carl Landry Record Club. I told her to listen to Maggot Brain by Funkadelic earlier today. So it is she good. Did. I'm excited. For it's, that. Yeah, I, I was, we'll get to it in a second. Uh, the big news today is that uh, the NBA apparently, this is according to Shams or Woj, Woj and Zach Lowe, they all have the same fucking story, um, that... They expect, teams expect June 1st to get uh, the direction on getting players back to uh, begin to plan um, uh, training camp and then begin to uh, go to Orlando to play a 70-game season, uh, which is the number we've been saying on this podcast for two months, that they were they – were, they were going to get to 70 because that is the number they have to get to for their local TV deals. And, uh, and that everything will be in Walt Disney World. Walt Disney World, which is closed, it does provide a, a pretty closed off to the rest of the world scenario. Um, they just have to get the hotel stuff worked out. So now there, is, there are two things that I thought of. The first of all is that they're going to need another revenue source and there's going to be a lot of fucking cameras all over the place and like, there must be some sort of reality TV component to this. Would love that. Would absolutely yeah. love that. And I like that that's first on the agenda. Yeah. Basketball <laughs> second. Uh, absolutely. Well, we've already talked about the basketball thing. I don't even know what the fuck to talk about with the basketball right. thing. We've, we've, you a, know. But an, an NBA reality show would really tie my house together in a really nice yeah. way. Um, oh my God! Yeah, for sure. The that, episodes of table flipping would be would be pretty good. I feel like I would demand I would wrestle my way onto there to talk about it every time. If you could see two Sixers uh, ride Space Mountain <laughs> video dash cam video, what what would that? Who would they be? Uh, well, one has to be Embiid. Embiid I feel I like he like would Embiid, freak out. I, I would love also like a Dario. I know that he's not there anymore, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I he isn't. Uh, <laughs> Matisse is always fun to, to go with or somebody that like I feel like Kylo Quinn would be fun um, oh he is on the Sixers yes Kylo Quinn's yeah. still there still around yep. um, 
Yeah. It would be great. It'd be really weird. I don't know how much uh, access, but maybe coming off uh, the Jordan documentary, people will be more willing to get to grant access. I don't know. Who knows? Hey, the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by our friend. Oh, that's right. Our close friend, Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process. Getting you a house in the Delaware beaches first so you can uh, invest in something, you know, you paying rent or you're, you're renting a, a beach house or something, that's that's no that's no investment. Second, so you have a place that is uh, affordable and an investment, and you have a place to go on vacation. The Delaware beaches, not like the Jersey beaches, which are packed and annoying Delaware beaches. The place I want to tell you about today is Lewis. So Lewis is the place that I've gone to the last couple of years. My favorite vacation spot sort of reminds me of the Outer Banks, one of the oldest towns in America, 300 years. Uh, it's been around like like really nice restaurants there. Uh, my wife and I went to a couple of really nice dinners. I think there's a Dogfish Head Brewery uh, there too as well. Two different kinds of beaches. There's a Bay Beach, which is really quiet, uh, good for young kids. And then there's the regular Ocean Beach. And the Ocean Beach is not really packed at all. There's some spots where it's crowded, but there's plenty of spots where there's to a ton of room. There's a trail as well that goes from Lewis all the way to Rehoboth, a really nice bike trail. I. I'm not a bike guy, but we, we drove next to it. It's like a half hour bike ride from uh, Lewis to Rehoboth. Um, and also it's, you know, you know how shore towns sort of feel like touristy. That's not the way Lewis feels. Lewis feels quaint, almost like new hope, I guess, in, in a way without the overpriced uh, antique shops. I would tell you Lewis is a great spot. Adam's got a couple of houses right now in Lewis. One, there's a brand new community on the bike trail that has townhomes between like four and a quarter and 460. Um, and then he's got a mixed use property, which um, already is being rented by a restaurant that pays $50,000 a year in rent, already a couple of apartments. Look, the property taxes in, in uh, Delaware are like nothing. And right now, mortgage rates are low, and Adam's your guy. You don't know a realtor? Now you know a realtor. Adam's your guy. Call or text him, 302-864-8643. 302-864-8643. He's a good guy. He's a Ricky listener, and I trust him. All real estate advice, he's your guy. But Delaware Beaches, he's really, really your guy. Email at adam at processrealtor.com. Back to the Ricky. Um, and then the other thing being that Sixers Adam on Twitter um, – Later on today, by the way, a really controversial roller coaster take um, <laughs> that, that they're a waste of time or something. Really stretching. I, I know we have we we're never like a pure look. We're not uh, Derek Bodner's consciousness. Where this is yeah. very rarely is it like a full bred basketball podcast. But we're really stretching the bounds of it lately. I mean, everybody is in some way, but we're doing food rankings. We're doing roller coaster rankings. Look, we're a music podcast now. I don't even know <laughs> if I could describe myself as a music guy. Does that make me Sixers Adam? I don't know. But would you would you rather it. do your forty seventh podcast about a basketball season that hasn't happened in three months, or like? Like, there's a, re well, you know, whatever. I'm not going to talk negatively about other um, content sources. I'm, I think I, that I we're more entertaining. About, I am ready to talk about uh, AU's season. Uh, oh, season, yes. Season ending in the, uh, in, well, in the other timeline. Real quick, just I want to get to this. Adam challenged me to find a way to send him to Orlando <laughs> to cover the thing. The challenge. Now, now, yeah. Now, I told him, both publicly and privately, I think there will be 
very limited selected national press. And I imagine they may do some sort of like pool reporting for local press. The odds of us getting our guy who's never covered a game before or has, has not covered a game since earlier this season. Um, but if there becomes it's not like, more information comes out and says yeah. like everybody over the age of 20 is really yeah. susceptible to this thing. So if you're going to have press, they're going to have to be a certain age. We say we got it covered. On the questionnaire, it says, do you think cantaloupe is rare at all? <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think of chicken? Philly or not? Anyway, I told him, look, man, I will keep my eyes open. You keep your eyes open. I will guarantee you this. If there is an opening to send you to fucking Disney World to cover the Sixers playoffs, the Ricky will pay for you to go fucking Disney World to cover <laughs> the Sixers playoffs. You're in. Consider it covered. Um but uh, and speaking of AU, so the alternate timeline Sixers season ended this week in six games against the Milwaukee Bucks, 47 points by Giannis. I am suspicious that the season ended because AU tweeted that the game six was that night. And I told him I was betting a trillion dollars on DraftKings on the Sixers. <laughs> and, and I feel like I I jeopardized like the the uh like the reality of it and he had to he had to like god's hand move the series away from what i expected wow. and the sixers losing game six but he also said that the crowd was not the crowd cheered at the end of it i thought that was um, nice yeah i thought it was good i, thought I, the, I enjoyed the brett quotes i enjoyed the Embiid quotes mm-hmm. Um, I, did I'm you quite, notice that the Brett quote was to Adam? He addressed yeah, I Adam. Did, I yeah. did very clearly <laughs> notice that. The, uh, <laughs> that Embiid and Simmons can play together. That is put to bed. Um, mm-hmm. pretty nice. And that they need to make changes in the offseason. Sure. That seemed, um, yeah. But I'm glad it was, it was uh, a feat of, of journalism to, to mm-hmm. venture into another timeline and, and come up with some basketball content for us. And it seems like I, I there, there was nothing that I wouldn't have bought in in all of that. Simmons is taking three is taking threes now, like pretty regularly. Yeah, yep, yep. It's not a surprise now. No. Yeah. So the question was after this, what like would AU continue the alternate timeline into the off season? Oh boy. And, and my my this was my thought. My thought is okay. Now eventually it's going to get confusing because we're going to tweet out. <laughs> Like Sixers looking at so and so in the draft or rumors, and no one's going to know what. When we were tweeting out game results, it was pretty clear that it wasn't it wasn't actually happening in this timeline. I also don't know who's looking to us for news. That's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's also a good point. Well, yeah. Well, so I told him what I thought would be, and it's up to him, obviously, is that. I think like a one month off season where he recaps everything that happened is is good. Mm-hmm. And then and then because then we're going to have actual I mean Mike it, it seems as if we're going to have actual basketball at Wild. some point. So he's it, just got to carry yeah. he's got to be the bridge there. I would read a full yeah. article on on AU's version of the lottery. Oh, that would be good. Maybe I would love the lottery. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's just coming up. You, Thank you, you to AU. You do think that there's going to be a season? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm, I just feel so pessimistic about it. It doesn't feel real. It, well, all, feels, it all feels fake. It all feels like if, at, at its core of what we're doing, it all feels like 
there's just not going to be real life until there's an actual vaccine, and and everyone can like play make believe. But there might never out, be a ba- put out like I, I think put out like you know do- dozens of pages of like how, you, how what the rules are now that you can't like you can't post up anymore or something like crazy. You're like okay, well that's illegal. You can't touch each other. Um, I, but it's like at, the, I, at, a, at a certain point, it's just going to like fall apart and be like we just can't do it until until this thing is like really under control. I think the the realization everyone has come to is there may never be a vaccine, and um, and that if there is like some some of these things, there's never an effective vaccine for, um, and it could be four years until there's a vaccine, and like there's just there's just no like you know we talk about the owners, but the, the players need to work too, um, and I I think like I think they are. You know, one one thing that I think is fair to say, and I've always been confident that they would they would play. Um, I think the the one thing to remember too is we always say to trust the like trust the scientists and trust the doctors, and like I actually believe that the the NBA of all leagues is is like judging whether it's safe or not. And you know, one thing Silver said is that there will be that we're going to be dealing with this, and there will be some risk, you know, um, inherent in what we're doing. Um, but I think, I think we're at a tough place to judge risk now. Um, like, because everything seems, I I don't think any of us from the people who, who are, who think that it's fake to the people who I always say, who drive in their cars alone with a mask on, I think like everybody has like sort of a, um, it's really hard to have a realistic view of what's going on here from me to you to everybody. And, um, I guess I just trust them to, to do it. I I think. Um, and if something goes wrong, then they'll stop, but I really think they're going to play and I think they're going to play playoffs and all that stuff. So, um, we'll see. I, I hope there's basketball and everybody's fine. There was a Woj pod with, uh, Jeff Passan who writes Mm -hmm. for the baseball for ESPN, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Syracuse grad. Yes. Who isn't? Come on. Um, yeah. and, uh, he was really, did you listen to it? No, he was, I've never heard someone lavish more praise on another human being than Jeff Passan did for Adam Silver. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> over and over again, <laughs> repeatedly. I was like, man, this is really, this is a really big piss spike off. I said it into myself <laughs> so many times. Uh, Jeff Jeff Passan's always been really con- or has been confident for the last two weeks. He's always been his his thing has been for baseball at least. He's been like, hey, th- it's going to seem like there's not going to be a baseball season, but there definitely is. So I believe it in baseball um, more than I believe it in basketball. I would say. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I th- I think baseball is more likely if you made me bet too. Well, we have a special guest on the pod finally. who, uh, yeah, finally, who has been like part of the podcast now for a few years um, in different maybe even four years since uh, the, the relationship advice and then uh, imagine the process and has never actually been on the podcast. A, uh, well, and then we've invited her to events, but she's always fucking touring and yada, yada, yada. I'm so cool, touring musician. Um, but Eliza Hardy-Jones is now finally on the podcast. I hope she can hear us because I can see her there. I can. Hi. Thanks for having uh, me. Wow. Oh, man, this is exciting. There you are. <laughs> I've never even heard your voice not singing. I, like, only com- communication has always been email. So this is lovely. Hi. It's great to be here, finally. I've got so many hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> building them up, keeping a list. Um, well, anytime you hear, if there is, the rule is, if, there's, if you hear a siren where you are, you have to let off one of those scorchers. So just um, keep it ready. <laughs> okay. 
Um, well, I, I guess the the first question is like you know what we're all dealing with the shit. How are you? Um, like you're. Are you in, where are you? Are you in Delaware? Are you home? Where are you? I'm home in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, I've been home. I had a tour that started March 11th. So I flew okay. to Vancouver on March 11th and I woke up March 12th and they were like, tours canceled, go home. <laughs> so yeah. we, we, I've been home since March 12th, which is and weird. I, yeah. How how long are you ever home for one stretch ever almost? I mean, not this long. I mean, it last year I was in between tours, so there were like big stretches of time. Okay. Where well, I had like one show a month, so I would be home for a few weeks and then I would like go out and do a fly date and then come home. But um, Last year, I didn't have a ton of like long, long touring, but you know, I play, I go somewhere at least every month. So this is definitely the longest I've been home in a very long time. What are you learning about yourself? People are asking me that a lot. My answer is nothing at all. I know nothing about myself. I'm a completely foreign person. Yeah. I, I've also learned nothing about myself. I, I mean, I'm used to like being home in between tours and having like, you know, two weeks with no structure. So when I first got home, I was like, I'm so good at this. Like, mm -hmm. I've got it. I can fill my day. I can have like creative purpose and exercise. But at this point, I'm like, is this just it now? Like, do I, I'm just like quilting all day <laughs> and like taking Coursera art history classes. Alyssa today told me to uh, give the couch cushion a break. Because I've been talking about it so much. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Yeah, that's a good that's a good piece of advice. <laughs> I like that. And, and like, I guess uh, musically, like, do you find like have you written stuff? Because like, has this provided some sort of uh, inspiration for anything, or is it really just trying to ascertain like what the fuck is going on and when you'll be able to? play shows again. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I've had like a lot of friends who are being super productive and creative write me and be like, hey, can you do, you know, can you sing on this or can you play keys on this? And I'm really good about doing that because it's like on their deadline. So I like set everything up and I get it to them, you know, in a couple of days and I feel really, you know, accomplished. And then I'm also working on a new record and I spend like an hour, maybe a day. And then I'm like, woof. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Time to go stretch. <laughs> yeah. uh, so there is a connection. Like, so one of our sponsors is Kinetic Skateboarding. Uh -huh. Kinetic, Kinetic is Ben, uh, who we know. And then um, Ben's brother is Andrew, who is your husband. Yes. And I, I guess I want to know, like, are you independently basketball adjacent and fans or, or were you lured in by Andrew to this stuff? Like, <laughs> how does it end up that I somehow are, am emailing you to ask you if we can use one of your songs for relationship advice? Because I don't actually remember. So I love the Sixers deeply. I am okay. a, a passionate Sixers fan. But definitely my husband was like, I was on tour and he called me and he was like, Spike needs a song. You got to, you got to email him. You got to give him the song. I was like, oh my God. Okay, sure. 
Urgent so, call. Yeah, urgent call from alarm. my husband. <laughs> what was your What was your first? Did you grow up a Sixers fan? Like, what is your era that you feel the most like kinship to? Yeah, so I grew up in Philadelphia, and my dad is a huge basketball dude. He plays basketball still, and he's seventy, and he like muscles people on the court. I love that. My dad, the exact same thing. Do we have the yeah. same dad? Oh, we have the same dad. My, did your dad do this? My dad challenged every boyfriend I ever had to one-on-one basketball and made most of them cry. That's great. That doesn't sound like my dad. That sounds like me eventually. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So my dad's super into basketball, but he's from New York and he doesn't root for a team. He roots for good basketball. Okay. Which my husband finds like the most infuriating baseball uh, basketball opinion of all time like they can't watch games together because my dad will just root for like good basketball and it drives andrew crazy (laughs) sure i feel that way about um college basketball i don't i mean i'll I'll root for like i honestly root for all the philly teams uh because i didn't go to any of them my dad went to temple so i I primarily root for temple but I, i also don't have like any like uh, animosity towards the other ones. I know maybe that's a maybe that's a hot, uh, not not a thing people say most of the time. But because I'm out of there, I'm just like any Philly team. I, I rep them all. Um, yeah. But for other stuff, I'm like, just give me some good stuff. Like I want to see fun. I want the fans to be engaged. I usually want an overtime. So I, I also I guess maybe that in some way I would be. I, I kind of fall in love with players. Is your dad like have yeah. any players that he's like that's just my guy or is he always like nope he made a bad pass I'm not interested anymore. He, he definitely falls in love with players um, and like, but he, yeah, he's very, he's a, he's a fickle man. His heart <laughs> wanders. <laughs> so it's hard to keep up with it. But I grew up a Sixers fan, um, like so, Charles Barkley. He's okay. my guy. So I, I was like, a, you know, late 80s, early 90s, little kid loving the Sixers. Yeah, it was a. It's amazing how much of the Sixers' um, existence between '83 and uh, like the last two years has been dark. You know, so so much of it has been bad or average, or uh, it's really just the Iverson blip currently, and then that team at the end. But so much of it has been so um, uninspiring. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. So we do, um, I I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it, but we've been promising that we're going to review it. Um, We we do a thing every week called the Carl Landry Record Club, where we, um, this is part of our uh, our off season, obviously, where we don't have any basketball to talk about. So as Mike said earlier, before you came on, we've become a music podcast, at least half. and le- and actually, maybe we can let you, A, you picked an album for this week, but we'll let you pick one. Um, so we let our listeners, or last week we had uh, Matt from Mount Joy pick an album. We all listen to it, and then we review it. So this week was uh, Maggot Brain by Funkadelic, which honestly, when Matt brought it up, I was pretty fucking bummed out because I hate listening to like 70s music, and I, I really hate like, oh, listen to this funk album. I'm like, all right, fine. Um, so I thought it was going to suck. And um, came out in 71. Uh, it was ranked the 17th best album of the 70s by Rolling Stone, 479th best album of all time. Um, and then I noticed 
and this was in the Wikipedia, the liner notes were provided by the Process Church of Final Judgment, <laughs> which is a, a Satanist church. Right. Um, and I thought it was fucking awesome. I It was... it sort of fused what they were doing, um, that funk thing that they were doing with rock music in a way that I don't think I've heard so awesome and pure before. The guitar playing, Eddie Hazel is a guitar player. The guitar was awesome. I enjoyed this way more than I've enjoyed any of the other albums that we've done so far. And I've liked all of them to a certain degree, but I thought this was awesome. I, I listened to it today too. I, we had not listened all the way through it. I definitely heard tracks on it before, um, but not listened to the whole record. And it, for me, there's like highs and lows. I like that it starts with some freak out poetry. I don't love, this is a hot take. I don't like guitar noodling. Like mm. a guitar oh. noodle hurts me. Oh, it hurts me. Come on. <laughs> so that whole like first track, I'm like, okay. But it's not that I don't like that people do it. I just don't want to listen to it. Like I, that record, there's a ton of that record where you just like think about how fun it was to make and how psyched those dudes all were and how they were doing yeah. something super cool and that nobody was doing and just like going, going for it and really trying something new. And I love that they did that. But like, I like the songs on that record that are more songish and less drug church ish <laughs> yeah drug i church. i hear that That's um, genre, because right? drug church yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i i think i would normally agree with you and to be honest with you i don't know how much of this i would listen to um regularly like even this album i don't know if i will listen to it a lot i know i liked listening to it when i listened to it um but I'm a song guy as well, so I definitely hear that. I'm, Mike? Yeah. yeah, I'm also a song guy. I can, I, I, I'm can, i down to listen to some some folks jam uh, for a little bit and kind of get into it, If it's, especially if I'm, like, on the move when it's happening, if I'm, like, doing something active rather than just sitting there. Um, like, my, I love doing, like, dishes to some, like, propulsive music that's just kind of, like, a little mm. repetitive in, in some way, but, but like, kind of funky. Um, I like, I like funk music. I, I should listen to more of it. I actually was just this weekend listening to, um, uh, the parliament album, chocolate city, uh, which is, which is really fun and, and, and groovy. And I thought this was, was, uh, a similar, like darker version of that less, maybe less just like fun bopping around in this one and a little more like drug church. But, um, I, I was, I was along for the ride for sure. So, uh, so it is Maggot Brain. It is on all streaming services uh, by Funkadelic. The Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, the original sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, who is taking care of you now. Even though the store is not open, um, he is there to make sure that he's got you covered for all of your uh, jewelry needs. LL is, um, will ship them to you, ship you the jewelry if you need an engagement ring, if you need, you know, earrings for a birthday or something. Hey, maybe a Memorial Day gift. Do they do those? <laughs> Memorial Day gifts? Maybe? I don't know. Um, 609-238-2219. He's right there at 7th and Walnut, but he's not there right now. He's at home. So he will take care of you. He will go into the store. He will ship you the jewelry for free. He'll do curbside pickup if you want. Um, don't, don't get him in trouble for that. Like, 
it's not officially curbside pickup. You've already paid for it. You're you're just getting it. Anyway, uh, 609-238-2219 or email lee at llpavorsky.com. 173, right, Ricky Sanchez listeners, have uh, purchased engagement rings from Lee. I don't know how many of them have actually been married so far, maybe 30, 30, 40 of them, something like that. Um, the first guy to believe in our podcast uh, and the only one of our sponsors to send me a picture from six years ago of me and his son at the first lottery party, which oh was- Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Still, still in his mother's womb. <laughs> yeah. Six years ago today, I believe. Uh, I, I believe it feels like today it's Jake's is, birthday- Three to four times a year. No, no, not his birthday. The first lottery party. Oh, uh, I don't think it's. I don't think that's Jake's birthday, but it could be. I don't know. Um, and by the way, Mike Preston posted a picture. He has the um, the number three one that the Sixers got when they picked Embiid in uh, what's that, 2017. That's cool. Um, he's got like the card. Anyway, uh, I think maybe yesterday was the six year anniversary of the first lottery party. In any see, case, I did see a. Um Someone liked an old tweet of mine or something like that. That was Embiid signing the uh, hinky banner. Oh, yeah. That was New Year's Eve or the Super Bowl or something? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened. Uh, is, that, is the hinky banner with Embiid's signature still at? Xfinity Live. Xfinity Live. Yeah. 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 It's not hanging, but it's theirs. Um, I, like maybe one day if Anthony, Anthony who works at Xfinity Live, if he ever leaves there, I'll tell him to steal it and give it to us or something. But, um, yeah, I have the banner of us raising the banner, uh, but they have the, the actual banner. In any case, LL is the guy you go to for jewelry. You don't want some asshole you've never met before. Just go to LL. 609-238-2219, Lee at LLPavorsky.com. Hopefully in June, um, they will be able to open up uh, by appointment. Um, Looks like it. Um, so, oh, and he makes donations. Providence Animal Center, coded by kids. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. The funkiest man in jewels. Back to the Ricky. Uh, Eliza, you, we're going to, uh, if you'd like, you get to pick the album that we all have to listen to this week, whatever you would like, um, and we will listen to it and review it next week. Is there one that is close to your heart that you'd like to, you'd like for everyone to hear? I, I feel like I have spent most of this quarantine listening to, like, the most soothing music that I can muster. Um, oh which I don't think you guys want to review. I would love so. it. Bring it. Smooth, smooth uh, Enya? Enya? Sade? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I want you guys to listen. Have you heard of the band Innocence Mission? No. It's so good. Um, okay. And I'm pretty sure they're from, like, Lancaster or something. It's a, you know, they. I think their first record came out in 89, but they, you know, made a bunch of records in the 90s, and they have a record called Birds of My Neighborhood that okay. will take you on the sweetest. What a cartoonishly soft name for anything. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. It is, like, it is comically um, tender, but I love it. I love it so much. I, it's, like, not, you know, sometimes I like to listen to music that would make you dance, let's say. This music does not make you dance, but it will make you feel good. I'm into that. So we, we could not, I mean, we have to, 
have, we have to have you do relationship advice if you're on the podcast. Yeah. Are, are you willing to an- help us answer a relationship advice question? I love giving relationship advice. I give unsolicited relationship advice all the time, so I'm very excited. Oh, people about love this. that. Yeah, people love unsolicited <laughs> relationship <laughs> advice. <laughs> they love it. Uh, well, here's the the intro song is "Couldn't Leave You," uh, which has been the relationship advice song for years now. Without, uh, I have permission from Eliza, but I do not have anything written, so she could sue us at some point, so let's hope that she doesn't. I keep my heart under my pillow with my teeth and other lies. I've been waiting on your halo just to shine the light. Just to shine the light. Um, so... It's funny, this, uh, the email that came in, um, I won't say his name because I'll, I want to read the first line of his email. He says, I prefer to be confidential. Thanks. Love the pod. And for all you, all you do, it means more than you know. And I wrote back and I go, you don't want this to be confidential. You want it to be anonymous, right? Because you're sending us a question for the podcast. <laughs> and he said, yes, he wants it to be anonymous. So here is his question. In 2020, I was planning on finally getting back out there. It had been a little over a year since I had been on the dating scene due to a bad breakup. With COVID-19, it's been difficult as the only real avenue is online dating. I tend to notice a lot of people say they get hundreds of messages and it feels like I'm constantly lost in the shuffle. What advice do you have for someone looking through online dating sites to distinguish themselves in a positive way? Thanks for everything, TTP. Um, I mean, my first thing is I'm glad I, 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 I've been married for five years, but I've been with my wife for 10 years. And like the, I've never experienced the online dating thing. So, so I think I'm, I'd be bad to give advice at this. I, I'll have to think it through. Who wants to give a little, how does he make himself seem, uh, distinguish, how does he distinguish himself in, in this, these chats or these online dating sites? Mm. I, have, I, I have no answer for that. I have Mm. been with my husband for 16 years, so Mm. I didn't own a cell phone when I met him. So, like, I'm definitely pre-dating site era, but I do think that part of it is, like, you have to figure out how to, like, portray, especially if, and I don't know if this person, um, is it a guy? It is. Okay, and I don't know if he's trying to, like, meet guys or women, but I think part of being a woman online is trying to find somebody who is both confident, but also not dangerous. Yeah. So I think that's a fine line where you want to be a little bit funny, but not so funny that nobody takes you seriously and you want to be confident, but not come off like a psychopath. So I think honesty is good, but then I think also just like having a friend read over your profile and help you to distill it into something that's a little punchy, but also still honest, it's helpful. I think having your friends look at your profile is super, super helpful because it's impossible to write about yourself. Yeah, I think it's great advice. And I think that's also very hard to follow advice. It's always just, it's like modulating everything. Like I was never, especially online dating, I did like a little, I guess, Um, but I was never good at the confident. That feels crazy to be like, hey, you don't know me and I'm fucking really good. 
Like it just feels, <laughs> bizarre. It feels bizarre to do. If I were to do it now, which I don't plan to, but if I were to do it now, I would, I would be like, ah, listen to my podcast. You get a sense of me. You don't have to, you know, if there's something you're into, then great. If not, I don't know. Maybe not for you. But I don't know yeah. how. Well, how but that's its own kind of confidence saying like, like me or don't like me. That's like whatever you want. That's cool with me. Like that has a kind of confidence because mm-hmm. it's like, I am who I am. Take it or leave it. And I think that's like a really nice way to approach the world of like, not everyone's going to like me. That's but, cool. But because it's the, of the tone of a of an online dating situation, that can come off like a little standoffish, a little bit like, yeah, like folding your arms and being like, well, go for it. I don't know. Right. Like me or don't like me, whatever. More than like, I don't know. Like you can't be like, ah, we're having, well, you know, it's a good time. Like you, you can't say it. There's no way to like, hey, on this, on these words, can I put them like in italics so you can know that I'm like kind of saying them in a jauntier way? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things similar here is even in real life, regular meeting and dating, in the beginning, you are definitely not your normal self. Like you are your your best version of yourself, or you're at least the, the version of yourself that you feel will be most, um, uh, attractive for lack of a better word to that person that you're going out with. So I, even though everything online sometimes feels different, but it's really the same as people going to bars, either acting a little more confident than they normally are, or I always joke about guys putting on their best shirt. Every time you go to a bar, every guy there that is not there with a girlfriend or something has whatever shirt he believes he looks the best in. I have a fun shirt. Um, Oh, really? You have a fun shirt? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I guess I would say I remember when I turned 30 and I lived in Chicago, and, like, I remember realizing that the finally that the worst that would happen if I asked a girl out would be that she said no. And actually that people, if you're not a dickhead, say yes more than you think they would. And I I remember feeling so much better about the whole thing. So I think the you can almost fake yourself into actually being that confident person. Um, now that said, I don't know how to write that in a profile. Um, I would say some rules would be, now this is someone who's never online dated, keep your shirt on. That would be one thing. Um, be smiling in your picture. Um, I would not have the picture be a selfie in the bathroom. I see those like as avatars a lot. Uh, and remember whoever you go out with is like, if you lie about what your interests are, you're going to have to then eventually be interested in those things or disappoint the person. Um, so I would just say high volume is probably the way. Um, like the fact that there's a lot of messages is probably better than not. Uh, and at least fake confidence. Whatever you think confidence is, just fake it and then you'll actually be Because high volume wears me down actually. Like I would rather uh, hone in on a couple and be like, okay, these are six of the women I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. <laughs> and if they don't respond to this, then I'm screwed. <laughs> but it, isn't that more set you up for, isn't like there more heartache in that? Because I think I was always that person, the, the, like the meet the girl, like her, and then all of a sudden be like, oh, well, this is going to work. And I, I always feel like I was crushed about those things. Don't you think that's setting them up for more sadness? What do you think, Eliza? I mean, I think it probably depends on his 
personality. You know, like I, I think for me, I would go nuts with the volume. Like I would just feel totally overwhelmed and like totally disconnected. But I do agree that like, then you like fall in love with a stranger and then they don't write you back and you're devastated. Like it's a breakup. So I think like hedging your bets a little bit, but also not like marrying somebody in your mind is probably the best way to sure. go. <laughs> yeah. It's also, I mean, especially if you're women on there are just getting constant, everyone, there's some guys that just say yes to everything. And so yeah. then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're just like, well, what are you doing? I, I, there needs to be some level of like control of like, I'm, I, honor system I'm approaching this on a serious level and I know that people don't but I would be like I'm going to marry you put some order not marry everyone but put some order establish some order in this like kind of chaotic dating scene there's also like it depends if there's like the the fancy dating apps that you have to be like exclusive to get in like if you're a lead or something that's beyond my my understanding but uh, it's a tough thing and I I went out on probably what like seven or eight like almost 10 I would say almost 10 like online dates and like they were all like some were weird but most of them were like pretty fine and you just try it out and I yeah. went on a couple dates with some and then it was like yeah not for me just like just like if you had met them anywhere else right I mean it's you don't know that much about a person when you meet them somewhere and it, do people still ask people out even does that happen do you meet somebody and say hey do you want to go to dinner I don't even I think so I don't know I prefer that uh, I prefer like a I've, I always like a like a friend knowing setup. it's a date, and also like a friend yeah. set, like being like, "Hey, like I have a friend, and you should just try it out." And that's gotten me in trouble. I don't know if you guys have, uh, in the sense of like, I've you know dated around in various friend groups enough prior to settling yeah. down with Alyssa that it was like, oh, okay, so I don't have to let like six people know that like, all right, this is a I've dated. Uh, we've done, we've tried this. <laughs> it hasn't worked out. <laughs> Or something like that. So that's a. It, it gets dicey, but I do. I, I perfect world. I do like a friend setup or like meet at a friend's party or something that just feels like okay, optimal. You know. Yeah, because you don't have to totally marry your worlds. Then, like, exactly. I think that's the thing that's overwhelming about online dating is that you're like, what if I don't like your friends? And what if we live in different neighborhoods? Like, there's so much that you have to balance. Whereas if you meet somebody that's sort of adjacent to your friend group, it's like, well, we're already, like, locked in, so it's going to be easy. Sure, and you're also starting from a place of, like, oh, you know this person, and I know this person. So at least that's an in, rather than, like, we're meeting, we know nothing about each other, we're starting, like, totally flat-footed, and there's just like, so, let's start something. What do you think about (laughs) about all of it? so I have to ask you, so you, as I mentioned before, uh, you wrote and recorded the uh, process version of Imagine that uh, Fili- that we played at the lottery party originally, and then Felicia did at the Live Ricky, and then the Paul Green Rock Academy did uh, at the next Live Ricky. Uh, two questions. First of all, I know this isn't like, you know, one of your... <laughs> Like, this is not an album track from Eliza. This is not like, but, but I, I guess, A, what is it like watching somebody perform a song that you wrote and you recorded first? And then two, what did you think of the job that each of them did? I mean, I don't feel like I wrote it. it. It's. I think if somebody was like actually performing something I wrote, you know, it's like a John Lennon song that 
me and well, my husband yeah. came up with goofy lyrics for us. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. Uh, still, yeah. But it's, so in some ways, it's just like, oh, it's really fun. Like, I really enjoy that it like has it, you know, that it has legs and that people appreciated the humor to it and that it, you know, so it's super fun. It's super fun. I thought everybody did a great job. I saw the uh, Paul Green crew in Delaware. It was awesome. I got, oh, all, yeah. like, got all emotional. I felt great about it. <laughs> oh, right. Cause they were at, they were at the blue coach game. So they did it while you were there. They yeah. did the, the, oh, so you have actually seen it in person. Now, yeah. It though. was super fun. Um, yeah, it's you had to bring up. Yeah, I guess John Lennon had something to do yeah. with the melody. He does get a writing credit on it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And then and then the other the other song the other song uh, you did for us was I wrote each email the same way to Dave Hartley and to Matt from Mount Joy and to you it was pretty much like I have a really stupid request. Um, this is very weird, but it is for charity. So. The two questions, again, two questions for this. First, um, uh, have you ever done something so stupid? And then two, um, like, take me through the process of taking 15 seconds of a hoagie mouth impression that Amos Lee does and turning it into actually a couple minutes of a song. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think if I've done something so stupid. I've definitely done things that stupid. (laughs) Okay, Um, good. Good to know. When I first toured with Grace Potter, we had like a bit that we had like a side project boy band called In Too Deep. And we like (laughs) Mm. wrote like very silly like boy band In Too Deep songs. And at the end of the tour... We ended up playing a private show at Disney for the Disney executives. And private shows are, they're horrible. Because you're playing for like a corporate event and maybe 10% of the people there like music and know who you are at all. Like they're just like, they they like that they're being given something, but they, it's like they've never been to a performance before. It's a very strange audience to play to. And this Disney executive meeting was no exception. It was raining. So we couldn't play instruments. So we like borrowed the bongos off the Lion King set and did this like acoustic Grace Potter set, which I was like, I'm dying inside. I can't believe this is happening. And then just in the middle of it, Grace was like, all right, Disney, are you ready for the next gold record hit? from in too deep (laughs) and we all just broke into it it was like my favorite thing that's ever happened and they just stared at us like we were you know completely insane so So that was very stupid for the executives with with the dance moves with the dance moves like down on our knees looking at the wine glasses circulating it was amazing (laughs) very stupid (laughs) that is stupid it was so stupid Do, do you know any, do you, uh, are you, uh, do you know Amos or Mount Joy or Dave Hartley? Like, is that, are they in your world at all? Dave Hartley is like my, my brother in this world. I've been in a couple oh, of wow. bands with him. Uh, he's one of my very, very best friends. So. Oh, did I, maybe I somehow got connected to him from you. Maybe that was it. Cause he's been on the pod before. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah. He, he was pretty psyched with it. I, I told the story on the pod that like, he liked the one he did so much. I had to connect him and Amos's manager about like the publishing oh to it. God. And that, because he was we're thinking. We're now a he, publishing house. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. He's, he texted me. He's like, 
this is a weird thing, but I think I might want to put this on, on my own record. Um, is it, so I had to connect. Yeah. <laughs> Which, Eliza, you're also welcome to do. I know you yeah. haven't asked yeah. that, but I just want to let you know in case you're nervous about asking such a touching question. Yeah. Feel free. Um, Oh, man. Yeah, I don't. Mine is dumb. I mean, Dave's is like sounds like Nightlands, right? It's like super lush and like ultra produced and his voice is so beautiful. Mine, like I really leaned the way that I went about it was just trying to imagine like I didn't stray from it at all. It was just like it goes like this. So I just tried to do exactly what he said in his hoagie mouth like it goes like this and then it goes like this and then there's a rage against the machine part and then it goes like this i was like all right that's the map that's all i'm doing i i loved yours yours is my favorite if i can say that spike can we put hers in right now for for the listeners if that's possible uh well i mean if people had to buy it yes absolutely so it's right here Okay, that was the song. Love it. So I'll, I'll put I'm it in there. Singing it yeah. in my head right now. <laughs> did, um, did you I, did you feel like um, doing the Imagine the Process song? Because I then edited with my with my friend Ben. I then edited the the video together, which you've seen, right? Yes. Yes. Do you feel like do like doing the song and talking about the players? Did that like give you an even more like kinship to those guys and are there any like favorites that you have that you didn't that maybe came from the writing of that so i will admit that like i got back into the sixers in the like process era so like covington was my was my prince you know he like rode into my life and just whisked (laughs) me away i love him so much um, but some of the like guys from a few years before, I definitely didn't know who they were. Andrew was like, we got to put this guy. I was like, I don't know who that is, but it's a great, hilarious rhyme. So let's go for it. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, it definitely like, you know, I, then I learned who those guys were. So that was fun. And I, I just love the process. You know, the Sixers now, they break your heart, but the Sixers then it was just like a joy bomb every time you'd yeah. go to a game. That season where they won nine games was the most fun. It was, it was ten. the best. It was ten. It's ten. It's it was ten. ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, uh, and and you should know that you you love Covington watched that video and loved it. Um, Choo Choo Maduabum loved that video and uh, watched that video and loved it. And I can confirm that I would say of of the 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 original. 
like the people that were in it that or or whatever the when it came out most of those sixers have watched the video so <laughs> so just so you know they have heard the song and watched the video and the the reaction actually when i remember what like covington's reaction and chuchu's reaction were both they both fucking loved it oh, so so um, great i yeah. love it uh, and we always get huge cheers when we play it with the video. Like people love that fucking song. The so video is so good. It's got so it's like the perfect gag, you know. Like there's yeah. so many great shots where you just really nailed it. It was so funny. It was a real team effort. You guys set up the punchlines, and I had the six the Sixers, uh, you know, historical knowledge to, to make make them all <laughs> yeah. land. And a Getty Images subscription to uh, Images to go with it. Right. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> The Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. I actually want to tell you a story. Um, like, look, they make the the best dog bed there is, the highest quality dog bed there is, the only one that's a real dog bed, the only one engineered by experts, the only one that I would let Rebel sleep on, go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky. But I got a, a text from Eric, uh, one of the owners of Big Barker, and he's like, hey, we've been making masks. Um, we have a couple thousand masks to donate. Do you know anyone to donate them to? Um, and I hooked him up with a Ricky listener named Seth who started a nonprofit that is... Uh, basically getting masks to healthcare workers. And uh, Big Barker just donated a bunch of masks to healthcare workers. They're not even like, I don't know if their masks were engineered by experts to soothe your dog's joints. In any case, um, good people, local company, and the only dog bed on the market that you want your dog sleeping on. Supports the joints. Go to uh, com slash process pups. See the process pups supported. Your dog could be one of them. Uh, if you go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, you get the bed, two process pup patches that you can iron on if you want. Send us a picture and we will get them up on the website. A 10-year warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they will replace it for free. A one-year at-home trial. Try it for a full year. If you don't like it, your dog doesn't like it, they will give you a full refund and pay for the shipping. Handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. Woof, woof. Masks. <laughs> Back to the Ricky. Can can you just a, a serious question? Because I um, I didn't know this about you until I was looking around on the internet. The um, the music quilt program thing that you do, where you you take songs and turn them into like visual, like like. Can you explain it? Because I I um, I thought it was neat, but I I feel like you have to tell people who are listening what you do. Yeah, it's it's a oral history uh, experimental music project. So I like went to the Arctic of Russia and then traveled around the American South and I interview women and I have them sing traditional folk music. And then I invented a transcription method so that like pitch is represented by color and rhythm is represented by shape. And then I make quilts out of those things and I like quilt them with textile designs from the places that the songs are from. So it's like my way of telling stories about folk music and folk traditions and storytelling and women's stories, but also just like a very nerdy exploration of color music. That's so interesting. What it's, how it's, do you like decide talk about like color music and like what goes into that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. So my grandmother was had synesthesia, which is that thing where you see color as pitch. So she would like sing pitches at me and be like, red, 
red. <laughs> and I, I don't have synesthesia, so I was always just, you know, delighted but very confused. But there's a whole tradition of, like, sort of, like, feeling pitch as color. There's a lot of composers who have, like, Scriab and Messian, who have done all kinds of compositions based on color. And so... I just liked that idea and I am a quilter and I love making quilts and I thought it would be a fun idea to try to like do not artistic representations of how music makes me feel, but just exact transcriptions so that like if I just gave you the color key, you could sing the song exactly as it is. And it's it's a fun way to like play with those relationships. I have really like very strict rules about how to do that. I don't think anybody else cares, but I love it. <laughs> but that's, that's how I do it. I, I gotta tell you, you explaining that makes me feel so fucking stupid. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just, I would not just the, the, you know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Russia travel the South. I'm going to get women to sing these folk songs. And then I'm going to take the songs and turn them into colors. And I'm going to turn those, that into quilts. It sounds like something uh, like, like in the next sequel to Prometheus, they go back to the planet and they find the advanced culture and that's how they communicate. That's how I feel like that's what you're doing. That's, that's how stupid it makes me, sound, it makes me feel. Honestly, it's really neat. It was just, so how it happened was when my record came out, this like painter from the Russian North, like emailed me, was like, I found your record on Russian Facebook. I want to talk to you about it. And I just thought that was cool. So I started talking to these Russian artists and this woman, Ekaterina was like, well, if you come up with a good idea, like we'll host a residency. And just, I literally was just like, I really want to go to the Russian Arctic. Cause when, when would you do that? Like, when does that when is that ever an opportunity that's supposed to you? So I just like went home and was like, come up with an idea. And that was what I came up with. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You just wanted, Jesus. And you, well, did you get a free, neat. You, was it a free trip out of it? Because that sounds like a really nice grift if that's what you did. It was not yeah. a free trip. <laughs> okay. I had to get a grant to do it. Okay. So it, but, but like when I was there, I had a translator and I got to like, it, it was kind of amazing. This woman like introduced me to all of these people and musicians and folk choirs and I did all these interviews and I like taught a class at a college in Arkhangelsk. It's totally nuts wow. what they were able to do. But I I did have to write a grant to be able to do it. Where is that in Russia? So I was in two places, Arkhangelsk and Murmansk. Arkhangelsk is like across the White Sea from Finland, so subarctic, but like, you know, a twenty-four hour trip from Moscow. And then Murmansk is even 24 hours north of that. Murmansk is like right on the, you could go from Murmansk like over the tip of Scandinavia into Norway. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, super, cool. super far north. I'm reading yeah. a book right now about the exact opposite part of Russia, actually. Um, oh, what are you reading? It's, I'm reading a book called Disappearing Earth, which is really good. Um, and it's set in uh, Petropavlovsk, which is... Um, like on the legitimate, and that little like, if you look at if you're looking at a map of Russia, it's like that little like elbow nub like on the like far eastern side, like close, oh, like right. coming down towards Japan. Yeah. So I'm um, we're we're really uh, synthesizing Russia wise right now. Yeah. 
Um, so I have like two very important questions for you. The second one, um, uh, unless Mike has anything more, we've taken up a, a lot of your time. I have a very important question. I can't, one, I can't hear anything. I just hear weird uh, beeps. Are oh no. you there? Can you hear me? Oh no. Do you, Oh, Maybe no. it's my internet connection. Wait, can you talk again? Here I am. Uh, now we're talking. Oh, my I, weird I can beeps. hear you now. Now we're good. All right, weird beeps. You, weird be- I hope <laughs> I get the weird beeps in the final version. Yeah. Um, all right, so two two final questions. One listener submitted, and then one a jigsaw because you're you're on the podcast. Um, the listener submitted question. Uh, he submitted both on email and on Twitter when he found out that you were going to be on the pod. He wants to know who you believe would win in an MMA style fight between me and Mike. <laughs> I wish you guys could hear the beeps. All I, I got to. Oh. Who would win? And then it turned into Mr. Roboto again. Oh, no. Uh, he, he wants to know who would win an MMA-style fight between me and Mike. Oh, my gosh. I still can't hear you. One more time. <laughs> oh, this is... She really doesn't want to answer the question. Oh, now I, I can what, hear you. <laughs> okay. She... Ronald, Ronald J. Swanson on Twitter wants to know who would win an MMA-style fight, uh, me or Mike. Mike. Or the beeps. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It would be Mike, too. I think I'm Mike too... takes you. Sorry, Spike. No, nah, it's okay. It's fine. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Mike can be the fighter. And, and finally, the, uh, the jigsaw. Play. I will play this game. Game we play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? Uh, this is actually submitted by Jacob, a listener submitted Jigsaw, and uh, you have to answer first, Eliza. Here's your question. Would you rather be dating a very famous porn star and have to watch all of their work? or be the child of a porn star. Although you do not have to watch any of their work, you are known throughout your life as the porn star's kid. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's the eternal conundrum. Yeah. My, so this is a good one for me because my mom is a sex therapist. Oh, I love so that. So I feel like my mom doesn't make porn, but she may as well. So I'm going kid of a porn star, totally fine. <laughs> What was it like yeah. growing up the mom of a, the child of a sex therapist? The funny thing is I wasn't the child of a sex therapist. I was the child of an ultra hippie spiritual yoga teacher. And then when I graduated from college, she went back to school and got a degree in human sexuality and then her therapist license. And so she does that now. But we were it was always a sex positive household, sure. I'll say, <laughs> like in the hippie in the hippie world. Um, but it's, you know, it's like when she was in school, she would call me and she'd be like, where did you learn about blowjobs? Like, not, not <laughs> having this conversation, mom. Your confidence in that answer is giving me confidence to just pick what you picked. Yeah. yeah. It seems like being, yeah, a, being with a porn star doesn't seem like a great life. That seems well, like and watching And watching them all seems like a, a tough hang. But yeah. I'm sure oh, you'd yeah. get to a place where you'd be, like, supportive and being like, you were really good in this. And that's not something yeah. I really want to I don't, I couldn't make it. And, like, honestly, my dad isn't a, a porn star, but it comes with its own, He's porn star, Jason, you know, for sure. baggage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
Well, uh, Eliza, it was uh, lovely to finally have you on the podcast. Do you have anything in specific that you'd like to promote um, or tell people to go listen to? Or, um, like, obviously they know your name and they can go on Spotify and listen, but is there anything else? Yeah, nothing specific. You can look at my quilts on the internet or you can listen to my music on the internet and it feels good to feel like you're making things in the world that people care about, but otherwise just survive the quarantine. We're all going to survive it. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, well, thank you. And uh, thank you for all the music over the years. And I can promise you one thing. It won't be the last dumb fucking request you get from me. I can promise you that. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait <laughs> yeah. for the next stupid thing I do for you guys. Uh, awesome. Uh, Mike, you down with TTP? Yeah. You know Lickface. Love you both. If you don't fuck with me. Then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Time for plan B.